Everyone, welcome to episode 215 of the Running Rogue podcast. I'm excited to introduce this final episode in our series with inspirational women from our community led by Jen and Ruth. For this episode, we've got coach from our a coach from our Dallas community, Molly Dykstra is joining the show. She was a guest on this show in episode 120 where I talked with her about her Boston Marathon qualifying journey. And I think you'll be excited and interested to hear this life update from her. Before we get there, I wanted to just quickly let you know that I'll be back on the show next week with all new content from me and excited to kick off 2021 in style. I'll also let you know that starting in January, we've got some of our podcast-based training groups opening up including the She Squad, coached by Ruth and Jen, who you've been hearing over these past couple of months. So if you'd like to learn more about that, just go to our website, click on the train button, and you'll see a button underneath that menu for podcast training, and you can get all of those details and options there. So with that as your intro, I'll be excited to come back to you next week, and I'll turn this one over to Jen to introduce Molly. Here we go. Today's guest is part of our Rogue Dallas-Fort Worth training crew. She's originally from a small town outside of Omaha, Nebraska. Um, she moved to Texas to go to Baylor, so she's she's a Baylor bear. Um, and she's, she's lived in Dallas for the last 15 years or so. She uh, has been married to her husband of 12 years, Charlie, and they have two kiddos, uh, Emerson, nine, and Owen, six. Um, so obviously the, they got kiddos that keep them on their toes and they also have a, a sweet rescue dog, Logan, who, uh, sounds like he's living his best life with everybody home through the pandemic. Uh, one of the little silver linings of the pandemic. And then during non-pandemic times, uh, Molly is a preschool teacher and a run coach. Um, she loves spending her time reading, enjoying time with her family, and she is active in her community. So welcome, Molly Dykstra. Hi, guys. I'm so glad to be here, and I'm really thankful to be talking to people um, who aren't related to me. So I'm super excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> Been in my house a little too long with my family. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Molly, I'm glad we could help out. <laughs> and we really appreciate your time and your inspirational stories and just being willing to be a part of our podcast. I, I know a lot of our She Squad and then others because it, it goes out a little bit wider than that. Um, definitely appreciate the, those moments of inspiration. And uh, we know also that you're in the first week of homeschooling. <clears throat> and hopefully that, that continues to go well. And we're also really looking forward to getting to know you and introduce you, introducing you sorry, to the group. So if we start off, let's ask about your athletic background and how you first got involved in running in the first place. You know, I think uh, anyone in my high school or younger days would laugh if you asked about my athletic background because it was uh, pretty small. I was not super athletic, but I did pick up running um, in high school. I ran varsity um, cross country my freshman year, um, but you know how running goes when you start hard and just keep going harder. It was kind of injury after injury for the uh, last half of the season. Um, and then I tried track my senior year, um, mostly for the social aspect, but um, I did enjoy it, but I was always kind of at the back of the pack. Um, it turns out, though, that one of my high school teammates uh, ran in the 2008 and the 2012 Olympics, though, so I was obviously wow. in the back of the pack <laughs> compared to her. Um, but um, it wasn't really until after college, my sister and I um, in 2005 started training for a half marathon. Uh, we wanted to get in shape and she was getting married. And so we wanted to lose weight together, um, which side note, after 10 years, 15 years of doing this, I realized you don't really lose all that much weight uh, when you're training for a half marathon, uh, at least in my case, because uh, I ate as much as I could. But um, I really just fell in love with it. I'm uh, pretty competitive with myself. And I found it was a really fun sport to just um, see yourself do something that you didn't think was possible. Um, we, uh, I mean, we just kept training and kept training and now I'm, uh, up to, you know, 
I don't even know, my ninth marathon, uh, which I, when I was training for my first half marathon, I never thought I'd even run a full, let alone, you know, start coaching and, and go that route. But it's been a fun way to cha- uh, to channel my competitiveness, um, to see myself, you know, improve in places that I didn't think I could. And, um, you know, I find it's therapy. It's, I let my mind stop, um, and just go for a run or I process through things. And so, um, uh, while it started in high school, it's definitely taken a, a different turn, um, to where it is now. Hmm. Yeah, it does sometimes, right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) really does. Molly, your, your story is so familiar. Like I, I, I feel like we're, we're really similar. And, and that just tells me like, we are the every women, right? There are a lot of us that are like this. And then hopefully there are some who are going to hear this and they're going to be inspired to become, you know, become one too. Um, Absolutely. When did you join a running group? You know, I, you you kind of started with your sister. When did you join a running group and, and how'd you get involved with Rogue? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I mentioned that we ran a half and it was great. And then we decided to run a full marathon. So we trained ourselves, um, which is a recipe for disaster. Um, I, I mean, we finished the marathon and it was fine, but it was uh, just a comedy of errors. You know, looking back at all the things, I think I had like, I mean, our longest run was maybe 15 miles. I mean, we just did everything wrong. We, you know, it was not great. So, um, when I, 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 Dallas was my first full marathon and I wanted to run it again and see if I could, um, do better. And so I joined run on in 2010. Uh, they had a, it was kind of like a mentorship program. You join as a mentor and then an assistant coach and then coach. And it was really great because you could learn the ropes. And because I'd run um, quite a few halves and I'd run a full, I joined as a mentor um, just to really get that accountability um, that I that I couldn't do on my own. It was really easy for me to, to not go for a long run or to skip an easy run. Um, and so uh, that's kind of where it started was just to get that motivation to show up every day in and out, um, especially at 515. Um, You need a lot of accountability there. Um, But, you know, it just grew into really a family. I mean, we've walked through, um, I'm sure we'll get into it, but all sorts of ups and downs in life. And so uh, I got excited to show up every day because I knew that those were the people that knew what was going on in my life and I could talk through things with, or, you know, celebrate or, you know, mourn with people. And so what started out just as a way to, you know, try and get a full marathon a little bit faster, really just turned into, you know, some of my best friends. That's such a, I think so many of us have found that, um, that it becomes that it becomes your new family, your new community. And it, it just means so much having those people around you. Um, which part of like, which rogue group do you coach now? And also, are you also in a group at the same time? (laughs) So, yes. So I run, um, it it was run on back in the day and then we Mm -hmm. are now rogue running, um, DFW, but, uh, I coach at the Mockingbird location. We've got, um, a few different locations around the Metroplex. And uh, so I also run with them. And um, like I mentioned before, I uh, tried to coach myself and (laughs) I just did not go so great. So, um, you know, Chris McClung has been helping me out quite a bit. Um, I kind of shared some pitfalls in different races um, and just frustrations about, you know, I feel like I'm capping out at certain times and certain distances. And so he's been a wealth of knowledge. Um, It's also really nice to have someone... um, who understands that runners can be stubborn and kind of provides some gentle, uh, <laughs> does some gentle direction if need be. I love the gentle part. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually like, stop it, Molly. <laughs> yeah. No. It, he, he's a tough love. Okay, so full disclosure, Chris and Amy are, are two of our closest friends. They're, they're some of our best friends. So even though I've never officially been coached by Chris. Uh, he is my running husband and he is, uh, he has, he's been my side coach, you know, for, <laughs> for, for probably, I don't know. I, want, I don't even want to admit how many years, 10-ish years or so. Um, and, and he is a very direct, no-nonsense, tough love kind of coach. And, and 
for some of us, that's what we need, right? You know, mm-hmm. like, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and there, there are a lot of different types of, you know, coach athlete relationships. And I, I think that's one of the really fun things is getting to have different coaches and, and learn different things from your different coaches and figuring out the kind of coach that works best for you. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, kind of, um, your group training and the, in the coach athlete relationship, it's kind of fun because you have it from two perspectives from you as a coach and then from you as an athlete. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's been, you know, here in Dallas, it's been really fun because, um, our, our coaching style has changed, um, just throughout the years. We used to run in pace groups. Now we do, um, you know, just a little bit more relaxed groups. Um, so it's been really fun to see how that's changed because you end up running with some different folks, maybe some folks that you don't coach, um, where it used to be, you coached very like your own pace group. And so you're always with those people. And so it's been really fun just to, to get to run with so many people and hear, um, you know, what their dreams and desires are both running and, you know, personally. Um, and, you know, I think Ruth, you were actually in Dallas when we had a, a you know, a goal setting seminar. Oh, yeah. Um, and I got the joy of being paired with Chris, which is how I ended up <laughs> getting so much, um, advice from him. And, you know, we we're talking about goals and, um, that's something that we talk about a lot with athletes, just, you know, you're on a long run. It's not just, what are you training for? It's, you know, Hey, what's your ultimate goal? Do you want to run a state or a a marathon in every state? Do you want to run Boston? Do you want to run this? Do you want to run that? And so as we were going through that goal setting ceremony, um, just a seminar, not ceremony, um, you know, he asked me what my goal was. And for me, it's always been Boston. Um, and he, he asked me why, and I gave him an answer and he said, hi, you know, I, I don't believe you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, well, what about this answer? He's like, no, I'm not, I'm not buying that either. And, you know, he was just really trying to dig down to the why, you know, like what's going to get me through, you know, mile 22 in, you know, of a, of a marathon, what's really going to make me fight for that finish. Um, and so it was, it was really neat because for me, that was like day one of, like, why, why am I training? I know I've always trained. I've always had a race and I, and I do the miles I'm supposed to for that race. But, um, it, it struck up this motivation in me that I've since tried to strike up in, in my athletes of just like, you know, that's great that you want to run that race, but is it just to check a box? Is it, you know, to prove something? I had an athlete who's, um, whose father died really, um, like a month or two before, uh, her marathon and her motivation completely changed, you know, and in that race, it was just to run and to honor her father. And so it's really neat to see, they don't have to be time goals. You know, it can just be like that you want to honor someone that you want to, um, you know, create this tradition with your family. There can be so many reasons why you run. And I had kind of locked myself into this box um, of, okay, it's gotta be this, it's gotta be this. And so, um, I don't know if I can still succinctly say like why, but the fact that Chris was like pushing me in that direction of like, I really want to understand what's so motivating and what, you know, like what's really going to get you, um, to keep running and not just have this be a one race thing. Um, it really, it created something in me that's helped, um, push me and I think become a better coach, um, through that, um, because I've never really had a problem with motivation. Um, but I think, you know, talking about me running in high school, I was always kind of in the back of the pack. And, um, I think I was always just trying to prove myself. And I think knowing why I run has freed me from feeling like I have to somehow qualify for a certain race to, to really call myself a runner. You know, like I have, I, I can, I can be a runner and not um, you know, have to go by someone else's guideline, if that makes sense. So, um, it's been, um, really motivating for me as, like I said, both a coach and a runner, um, to have someone push me just to that next level of training to say like, Hey, it's not just about the numbers. Like let's, let's make this about a real goal or a real, a real part of your life. Um, and I think that's so important. 
Yeah, I imagine it was probably pretty helpful as a coach too to have somebody do that um, to kind of outline that for you. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I can just see sometimes like when you get clearer yourself, it becomes clearer as an athlete at times because you have to practice it on other people. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it's just so true because, you know, like at the end of, I've had some, some tough races. I remember my, my husband and my, I only had a daughter at that point, um, met me at mile like 20 of a race. And I was like, I don't want to finish, you know? And, Mm. and so now as a runner, when I'm at mile 20 and I don't want to finish, I've got that, the why in my head, you know, I've got that like, okay, I'm finishing for this. Like I can push through. And I, you know, and it's just something that you learn as time goes on, but I just think it's, it's so important for all runners just to have that, um, that, you know, motivation for them that, so it's just about, um, it's not just about finishing. It's about, you know, reaching that goal. Yeah, that makes sense. So speaking of that, so you were actually nominated because we we did we wanted to since we don't know everyone clearly, <laughs> we kind of wanted to know who was out there. And so, why do you think you were nominated to be an inspirational woman? Or who? What did they see in you? Obviously, I can already see it, and I think our listeners can. But uh, be kind of curious on your perspective. <laughs> oh well, I, I was surprised because. <laughs> what maybe some people see as inspirational, I see as real stubborn. Um, <laughs> which is just, I just refuse to stop. And so, um, you know, we've had some ups and downs in life. Um, and uh, I think maybe the fact that running has been so important to me and I just keep coming back to it. Um, maybe that, you know, struck a chord in someone Um you know, since 2011, um, we had, uh, two miscarriages, um, my husband and I, and, um, my mom passed away and just so many other things. Um, and so, uh, for me, when any of those things happen, you know, I just use running as an opportunity to, to not escape, but to just kind of process through those things. Um, you know, I had, uh, I had some, some race failures. I've had, I mean, haven't we all, uh, I've had, you know, a few, a few injuries that have kept me out for quite a while. And, and I think just, uh, we have to make the choice to keep getting back up, you know, even, um, when my own body felt kind of scary, you know, like, am, can I, can I run this far without getting another stress fracture? You know, like, uh, I had one of my miscarriages right after a long run. And so, for a long time, those long runs were a real mental um, barrier for me because I was even not pregnant. I was just so afraid that something was going to happen after. And so I think uh, just making that choice to reframe it and to get back into it, you know, and keep lacing up and keep getting out there um, because there really is so much joy on the other side of all that, that scariness. Yeah, that, um, that, that is a lot. I mean, I think, um, I've seen other runners as well, um, overcome grief, loss, stress. I mean, particularly now with COVID, I think there's a, and homeschooling most of your children, most (laughs) of the year, teaching and being a teacher in a lot of different ways. Um, it's really a challenge. And I think some of that's why it's so inspirational, at least for me personally, to hear how other people have um, been successful and overcome and used running or in the, in the, in the community, I think that you build through running um, to help fuel them to continue. Um, so I'm just thinking, could you go into depth just a little bit more with some of those, maybe the Charleston Marathon discussion? I know that's a big one. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, in Mount Charleston, um, I was super excited for that race. It's, um, it's a downhill, beautiful scenery. Um, I was just so excited. Uh, I was, you know, when you have those training seasons, like that, you're like, this is going to be a good race. Like I felt strong. I felt great. Um, I was like super hydrated before I was kind of psychotically drinking water, which inevitably, inevitably, um, was kind of my downfall at the end, but, um, I was just so excited for a really strong race. And, um, you know, I, uh, could go into a lot of detail, but about, uh, 
18 or 19 miles in, you know, feeling great. I knew, I knew my pace was a little uh, aggressive at the beginning, but it, it was feeling really good. Um, and uh, about 19 miles in, I started cramping, um, you know, thought I was, it was just coming off the hills because it kind of flattens out at, uh, near the end. And, um, and the wheels kind of fell off. I, I've started having to take uh, a lot more water, a lot more fluids, um, electrolytes. Um, and, you know, training in Dallas, it was hot, but it was really humid. And then uh, Mount Charleston was really arid climate. Um, you finish right in Las Vegas. And um, so it was just a different climate that I was used to. Um, and uh, at about, I filled up my water. The, one of the last things I remember is I filled up my water at 26 or near it and um, was kind of stumbling and a very nice very well-meaning police officer pulled me off the course and made me stand by his car. And he's like, I think you just need a break. And I was like, I just need to finish. The clock is, the clock's moving. I need to, I just need to finish. And I, the last thing I remember is taking off and turning a corner. And then I don't remember anything after that. Um, I woke up in an ambulance. Um, <laughs> and my first question was, uh, cause I looked down, I didn't know where I was, but I was in running clothes and I looked down and I saw my race band and I go, did I finish? <laughs> and he goes, no. And I, I need to find this nice paramedic and apologize. Cause I was like, why didn't you drag me over the line? <laughs> he just looked at me like I had lost my ever loving mind, <laughs> but he, I wasn't quite sure. He asked me, you know, where I was, what was going on. Luckily, um, I don't run with like a road ID band or anything, but I always race with my cell phone and my driver's license. So luckily they had that and they had all my information and they were able to call my husband who happened to be back here in Dallas. Um, but you know, it was, it was super frustrating. I was shooting for a Boston time and my, this was before they took the five minutes from us, but um, my time <laughs> was 340. And when I got my watch stuff back, um, I had passed out at exactly 340 and it was, it was like, I could see that the finish line, like it was right there. And so it was just so frustrating. And, you know, it's, it's exactly what Chris always said. He's like, bank energy, not time. And I, I did the opposite. You know, I was banking time because it was downhill and I just didn't have the energy to, to finish up strong, but, um, you know, it was super frustrating. And for me, that recovery took probably eight months because I got, um, rhabdo from it. Um, along with, I had a stroke and, um, just a multitude of other things. Um, uh, talking with a couple of the people, like I had taken in way too much water before and not nearly, nearly enough electrolytes. And so just that balance was way off. And I was so behind the eight ball by the time that I did start taking electrolytes in, um, that, there was no way of catching up. And so the, the, the rhabdo lasted for quite a while. Um, I remember meeting, um, you know, like rogue and run on had just merged at that point. And I remember having to go to a bar for a happy hour and I just shuffled in because <laughs> I couldn't move my knees. And so it was very, uh, very awkward, but, um, I, I honestly think it reframed so much of how I view running, of how much, how I view racing, um, and just like disappointments because yeah, I could sit there and whine and moan about, about it, or I could pick myself up and, you know, start racing again. And I, um, didn't run that was in April, I believe I didn't run again until August, um, and when I started running, like, I think I ran my first mile at like a 12 or 13 minute mile, um, which normally is, you know, easy heart rate. And my heart rate went over 200. I mean, it was just like, it was just so hard. And so I took that whole until November, I took that whole four months and just did whatever felt easy. So if my long runs would be six miles, they were six miles. If they were, you know, my normal pace is around a nine or a nine thirty for a long run. So maybe that means, you know, I was doing 11 or 12 minutes and it was great. I got to meet a whole new set of runners that I had never run with. Um, I was, my fit, my fitness was increasing. Um, and it was feeling good again. And without that, like, oh my gosh, I've got to get in 50 miles this week, or I've got to do this this week. I had no, 
no stress around it. So it was so relaxing and so enjoyable um, so that I was actually able to get within, um, I think, five minutes of, I ran another half in December, um, the Dallas half, and I had run the Austin half, the, the 3M, I think it was, in um, Austin in January. And I was able to get within five minutes of my January time just by taking, just by running super easy miles. Like, and it was against everything in my head that I thought I should be doing, you know, like, that's why we don't coach ourselves, I guess. But and I, <laughs> when you train for a race, you, you have speed workouts, you, you know, like you have this cycle of what you should do. And my body was just craving the rest. So it, it reframed everything in my mind of you have to listen to your body. Um, just because the schedule says something doesn't mean you need to kill yourself to do it. Um, and so it made me love running again um, at the end of it, because it wasn't about I went from in April being um, overtrained, exhausted, um, and just hell bent on getting this BQ time to December where I was really just enjoying it and, um, you know, just running really, really happy. And so I think at the end of the day, it's just about reframing, you know, like I could have just quit running after Mount Charleston and said, you know, it's my fault. I did it myself. Um, you know, running stupid, like all this, you know, I could have just gone down a really dark path. And instead it's like, let's learn what the other side of the coin might look like, you know? And so I was, um, I'm not happy it happened, but I think I needed that, that shift in my thinking to make it a long-term, um, a long-term passion instead of like, I think I, I might've flamed out if I had continued training, like I had been training. That, that is an incredible story. I mean, just, just so that our listeners are clear, you were 26.0, 26.1 in a yes. 26.2 mile race. <laughs> you had done the work. You were right there. I mean, and they, they, just, and they didn't oh, even give me a medal. I asked. Oh, and they <laughs> it just, it breaks my heart. Like I could, I could picture this. It breaks my heart for you. But I love that you found the, the silver lining in it in a way to reframe and re bring joy back to your training. Um, I think, I think your, your words of wisdom of, you know, how you rebuilt and how you came back and, um, getting your brain to know that what you needed was easy running, you know, and, and not to, to force it. Um, so I, I just applaud you. I think, I, I hope that our listeners realize how hard that is to do. So we, we are you. glad that you're okay and that you were able to turn that around. Um, I can only imagine, well, no, I, I, I've been there too. So I get it, how frustrating it is to be that close and not get it. So what about since then? Because I know some time has passed. Obviously, 2020 has, has been canceled. Um, <laughs> we don't get 2020. But, um, you know, where are you now with, with your plans, you know, with your running and, and your racing and your, your goals for your running? Well, you know, it's been... Um... My, I was training for St. George. Um, so early October race, um, which got canceled, um, which I was not surprised about. They waited kind of a while, but, um, I hadn't booked a, a plane ticket or a hotel yet. So I wasn't exactly surprised by that. Um, and I honestly have a really good, uh, base right now. I kind of, um, I had a stress fracture in my foot, um, at the end of last year. And so, um, my goal was starting in January, I was going to get a really good base, um, base set. And so I started training for Kentucky way back in, um, April of this year that got canceled. So I just kept that base going and slowly moved my miles up. Um, I've gotten two stress fractures in my left leg and then one in my right foot. So I just know myself well enough that if I start putting miles on too fast, I break. And so, um, again, just to reframe my thought process is, okay, I've had, I've been lucky. I've had eight months that I can focus on going to six days a week and averaging. Um, I've been trying to average between 55 and 65 miles a week. Um, just to see, I just, I feel so much better on race day. Um, when my legs have had um, those long runs and just six days and, and just practicing running on some tired legs. And so um, the goal, I guess, is just to then push that forward. So I actually talked to Chris <laughs> in the last week and I was like, all right, you know, I need to um, 
to focus on some other things. So we're going to focus on speed for a little bit, which um, I'm kind of excited about. Do um, some lower miles um, and do a speed track. Um, so I'm excited about that. And then I've got um, a race in Portland in June that I hope will still be on the race schedule for next year. Um, but it's another downhill race, which I know Chris is going to roll his eyes. He's not a fan, but that's okay. It's your race, your, your goal. <laughs> yes. And I was like, I don't care if I have to roll down the hill in three hours and 35 minutes. I just want to get that time. <laughs> that's awesome. So how has COVID uh, affected you? I mean, th thinking of another curveball that's happened to um, our lives, um, what's the impact it's had both on you uh, professionally and personally? Um, it's been, yeah, curveball. Um, so my kids, uh, I, like you had said at the very beginning, I'm a preschool teacher. And so um, uh, it's I've missed my little kiddos at school. Um, but uh, my kids have been home and I kind of, on all those personality tests, I kind of fall right in the middle of extrovert and introvert. I'm an ambivert. And so um, the introvert in me is just, I'm living my best life. Like this has been, we've had family time. I mean, we take the dog on walks. We have all this sweet time. And then the extrovert in me is climbing the walls. So it's been kind of, um, you never know what you're going to get from one day to the other. Um, but um, my husband still has his job and he's able to work from home, which has been really, really great. Um, no more morning and evening commute. We get to have lunch together. Um, and then, you know, I got furloughed um, because our preschool is an opening. And so it's given me time, um, the gift of time. I've redone my laundry room. <laughs> my husband <laughs> found me in there ripping all the molding out. Um, he's like, what are you doing? I go, I don't know. I just need a project. So I'm ripping all the molding out and I'm going to replace it. Um, and so uh, it's been fun because we've been able to do a lot um, at home that we just never had time to do, you know, so my whole family is pretty good about, you know, just uh, let's find the positive in it. Let's, you know, well, yes, we miss our friends. We miss our family. We've got some family members who are immune compromised. And so we can't see them, but it's going to be even that much better when we can't see them. So um, just trying to do that. Um, and honestly, we've been really, really lucky. Like we've had friends get it. We've had, you know, friends lose their jobs, lose, you know, lose all these things. So we really have it great. Um, and I have a treadmill. So worst case scenario, if I really need to take them away, I just go <laughs> for a run on the treadmill. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I know you mentioned um, that homeschool started this week for your kiddos. And that's obviously been a hot topic and, and something that's very stressful for families and for educators is kind of figuring out the to go back to school, not to go back to school and when all that kind of stuff. So what's what's the plan with, with your kids' school district and how are you feeling about all of that? Yeah, it's been, I mean, who expected this? This is just crazy. But um, our school district is amazing. We're in Dallas County, but we're Richardson schools. Um, so um, we can do either face-to-face -face or we can do virtual. They ha they ask you make a nine-week commitment um, of what you're going to do. Or we've had some friends unenroll their kids and do like a homeschool setting, whether that's in a pod or parent-teacher um, and we we're doing face-to-face, um, -face, but for everyone up until Labor Day, it's um, virtual. So my kids have been really resilient. I mean, I'm just really lucky that um, Emmy's in fourth grade. And so she's able to kind of do her work um, a little bit um, autonomously. She's also um, on a schedule. So she's got Zoom calls with teachers for two hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon with some breakout time. And um, I'm just really impressed that they've put all that together. It's really organized. Um, and I think it's really well done and I'm just super thankful for the teachers and I'm super, um, thankful that they'll be taking them back after <laughs> Labor Day. If all goes well, our cases have been diminishing. So I'm hoping that that's a good sign. Um, and you know, I've, I've been talking, unfortunately, none of my friends, um, in the neighborhood are really as crazy about running as I am, but um, they, they've all been saying, you know, I just, what if, what if they don't go back? What if this, what if there's all these, what ifs and all these frustrations. And, you know, I, I just told them, I was like, you know, when I run a marathon, 
if I'm in mile two and I start thinking about mile 26, I just, I'll implode. You just can't do that. Just run the mile you're in, like just do the day you're in. So if today is a great day, just ride that out. If tomorrow, if today is a bad day, just tomorrow might be better. You know, like you just kind of have to take it a day at a time and do the lessons for that day, do the school for that day. And then, you know, just go on. I think, I think too many people get caught up in the what ifs, you know, of tomorrow and there's nothing we can do to change it. You know, there could be an outbreak, there could be whatever, you know, like who knows? I mean, it's 2020, a, the dinosaur could come walking through our neighborhood and I wouldn't be surprised. You know? So it's like, I'm just going to worry about today and, you know, and get after it. And I've been, we've, we're only three days in, but I've been really impressed with my kids and how, and how they've done so far. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I agree with you after living in the present is pretty much the way to approach life, life, um, and to uh, healthily, I think, approach it, especially, especially the crazier it's, it's gotten over these years. So but I'm wondering if you could go back in time and give your uh, high school runner self some advice, what would you give your, what would be your advice to yourself? Uh, well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think even as an adult, I think all women um, and men probably too um, are defined by something. And I'm, I think I would go back and just tell myself, like, you're not defined by blank, you know, like whether it's clothes, looks, this, that, you know, and even as an adult, I'm like, I'm not defined by my marathon PR. I'm not, you know, like how many times after a race have I gone back and said, you know, I, I could have run that faster. Or if I hadn't taken my foot off the gas on this hill, maybe I would have been able to, you know, shave 10 seconds off or, um, and I think growing up, I constantly felt like less than enough. And I wasted a lot of time on that. And as an adult, it's, it's gotten better. But I think anyone who's competitive also rides that line, you know, of, mm. I need to define myself by something. And I think the further I get into life, um, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, like my titles have changed. I went from, you know, working in a corporate office and uh, having all these things to, to being a stay-at-home mom, to being a preschool teacher, you know, like my titles have changed and my worth hasn't, you know, so just because my marathon times might change doesn't mean my worth has, you know, and I think that, um, I think I wasted a lot of time on that growing up. Mm that's it Word. that's very intuitive <laughs> so so true I, and I think a, a lot of us do right and I mean I, I think where where it became so uh, painfully obvious to me was the first time you get injured yes. you know when you're running and all of a sudden you're like oh my god I'm not a runner anymore who am I you know, <laughs> you know? you're like wait I'm still me I'm still bringing a lot of other things to the table um, <laughs> But yes, I, yes. I love that you, you are not defined by blank, like fill, fill in the blank daily. Right. Absolutely. Um, so I think those are, those are really powerful words. Um, so, and, and I love, I love your optimism and your spirit. What are you most looking forward to as life becomes more normal? You know, it's so funny. I think that this answer changes daily. Um, <laughs> I'm excited about maybe life getting back to normal, but you know, my husband, when this kind of all started, I said, you know, I kind of like this slow pace. We went from, and I only have two kids. I have friends who have six kids. I mean, I don't know how they, they do life there. It's just, there's so much going on and that's, that's great. But for us, when we were forced to slow down, I just felt like this pace kind of works well too. And maybe we can take something from it. So um, I'm excited for things to slow down and to just focus on what's important for all of us, whether that's just maybe one sport for each kid or the one hobby or, you know, like less racing and more traveling, you know? And so I think for us, um, it's, it's slowing down, but I, I had some races, like we talked about St. George getting canceled. Um, so that was kind of a bummer, but that doesn't mean we still can't, you know, like get out there, maybe take some trips, maybe see some more family, you know, do things like that. But, um, like, I think, I think normal <laughs> is kind of what we're excited for. I know the kids are 
really anxious to go back to school and um, we are too because the house is getting really really small <laughs> with all four of us in it all the time um, but yeah I mean it's I think it's the little things like we said you know just worry about today worry about the mile you're in um, I think just getting those little bit of freedom um, as we you know go out there that the trips that we can take and the things that we can do and to just not live in you know this constant like, have we washed that? Have we done that? You know, like, I, I think there's so many things to, um, to look forward to without that fear of, are we going to get sick? Or is a friend going to get sick? You know? And so I think it's been a good perspective shift. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I think, you know, like, it, it sounds like you do the same thing, but, you know, looking for the silver linings and all of this crazy stuff this year, I, I do think it has helped us like kind of reconnect back to the basics, right? Like absolutely. Um, we were also busy going in so many different directions. It's helping us peel that back to what we really, really need and what we really care about. Like we we had it all, right? And we just we didn't need it all, but we had it all. Um and just those little things that I, I look back and I just so took for granted, like just being able to meet friends for happy hour, being able to go to a movie, you know, just those little things that like I think I will appreciate them more when I have them back. Absolutely. You know, we were, my husband and I were talking about just like, like trips to Target, as silly as it sounds. Yeah. I was like, I used to love to take the kids and like, we'd, we'd rummage through the dollar spot or, you know, like I'd go by myself and smell all the candles they have and, and put my face in all the pillows. And now I'm like, okay, I can't touch it. I can't, it's really hard <laughs> to smell through a mask. Like who knew? Like, <laughs> you have no idea what any of these candles smell like, but it's those, those little joys that I'm like, man, you know, like I took them for granted, which is fine. I mean, we all do, yeah. but I think just having that time to like, okay, like, so how am I going to not let it turn back into what it was? You know, like, how am I not going to stumble back into this? Like, all right, we got to do all the things as fast as we can, you know, like let's just jam them all in and maybe just like finding those little nuggets that really work. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's uh, an important lesson. I hope a lot of people take that uh, back to when life quote normalizes, (laughs) (laughs) but so uh, who inspires you and why? Oh, that's a, that's a big one. Um, you know, I think as, as life has gone on, it always kind of changes for me. Um, you know, like my mom has always been a huge inspiration for me. She, um, she just was the toughest woman I knew. And, um, but I think like in my running life and even in life life, um, I've always gravitated. I love Sarah Hall and Kara Goucher and just like what they stand for. Um, they're around my age, they have kids, they have, um, what could really be this like, you know, Instagram story of just highlight reel, highlight reel, but they're so transparent, you know, they're so like open with the hurdles that they've had and the downfalls and the pitfalls and just all this stuff. And so I've always just really connected, um, with them, um, just, and, how they get back up, you know, how they, they're Mm -hmm. constantly, and they're not too proud to like share, like that they get injured, that they made a mistake, that they should have done this. And, you know, and I love, um, I just love both of their stories. I, yeah, those are are two really great ones. They, they both are publicly vulnerable, right? They, they Mm -hmm. showcase their vulnerability and they, they let people see their real selves. Like you're saying, it's not just the the Instagram, all the beautiful parts of life, right? Um, I mean, certainly Kara, poor thing, has kind of had a lot of ups and downs and has has been very public um, about them and and let people be part of that with her. And I I think it makes her more inspirational. Absolutely, yes. I love them. And I want to be as fast as them, so that's probably it too. (laughs) Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, So... uh, I'm kind of turning back to you as a coach. Um, so, you know, I think there are a lot of women who are going to hear your story and be like, wow, what a, you know, what an amazing woman. Um, what should people know about you as a coach? Oh, um, I would say that I honestly want the best for them. So that 
that might mean many different things. Um, it might mean telling you to slow down, speed up, add more miles, cut out miles, do you know something different. Um, and for me, it's because I mean, like we've talked about, you know, setbacks and just like stress fractures or um, you know Mount Charleston or any of these things. I've I'm not saying I've I've had all the things that running can throw at me um, because I definitely haven't. But I have learned from what has been thrown at me. And so I want to help them not have to face that, you know, like whether it means saying, okay, you've got these two goals that conflict or, um, you know, your, your mileage looks kind of off or, you know, like, hey, you're not being, being realistic, you know, you know, anything like that. Um, I, I may not mince words, but um, I will always be your biggest cheerleader. And that means getting you to toe the line healthy, <laughs> safely, and to hopefully get it like a great, like we talked about, whatever your why is, that's, that's what we want to happen on race day. And so, um, it might look like, you know, someone, you know, like Chris did with me of being like, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. Or I think, you know, what if you did this or what if you did that? Um, I'm I'm going to say that to people just because I want the best for them. You know, like there's nothing worse than finishing a race and being like, man, that wasn't everything I had, or that wasn't the outcome I wanted. And I think that um, if you just listen, when people offer some, some advice that has been well-traveled, um, I think it, it just works well for everyone. So I think that would be my biggest takeaway. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I think you, you do a lot of people, a lot of good service by, being kind and, uh, but, but truthful, it, it mm -hmm. helps them a lot. Um, so what advice do you give to your, um, athletes that you have that are, or maybe even just a friend who's getting started on their running journey? I, I am a big believer in listening to your body. Um, you know, your body better than anyone else. And so when something feels really off, you definitely need to listen to that. But, um, in the same vein as having someone coach you, um, you need to, to give yourself a little push, whether that means having a coach, um, which I think is super important, um, or having someone to tell you, okay, that's normal. Keep going. Um, I would tell a new runner that goals aren't easy, but that they're really fun, you know? And so you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. That's a phrase you hear a lot around rogue. And I think it's a hundred percent true because, um, you know, I had a new runner just come to me the other day and we were talking about you know, efforts and paces and all this stuff. And, and I think for people who've been running for a long time, you get really used to, okay, my long run pace is this, my easy run pace is this. And, and you kind of have all these different paces rolling around your head. Um, and she thought, she's like, I just thought it would get easier. You know, I see these runners running really fast and I thought it would just get easier. Like, <laughs> oh, when I'm running really fast, it still feels really hard. So, and I've been doing it for a while, so it's okay for it to hurt a little bit. Um, so to just encourage any new runner that, um, just because it looks easy for, you know, Sarah Hall when she's, you know, running a 222 marathon, like it's probably not, she's giving a lot of effort. <laughs> so, um, don't be afraid to be uncomfortable, to push for a goal. Um, but for me, especially when you're just starting off, make it fun. Like it should be, you should have a goal, but you should also have fun while you're doing it. And if you lose the joy, when you're new, it probably won't come back. So, um, so just make it fun. And then my other thing that I have a hard time with, so I try to encourage people before they get addicted to their garments is to sometimes just leave your watch at home, go for a run, enjoy it, let your brain breathe. And who cares what your pace was, you know, <laughs> just have a good time. Especially in Texas in summer, right? <laughs> like, oh, yes. Especially, <laughs> like, just don't even wear the garment. It's just going to frustrate you. Just run. Yeah. Uh, mine has been saying unproductive for quite some time. I'm like, yeah, it's hot out. Why aren't you taking that into account? <laughs> oh, I know. Isn't it so maddening when sometimes you finish a run and it's like recovery time, 42 hours or something? Yeah. And it's like, no, I can't wait 42 hours. I got one the other day. It said like six days. And I was like, I didn't even think that was possible. Like, <laughs> You're like, the algorithm is clearly wrong today. Uh, that's funny. Well, this has been fun. So 
we we love to wrap up with kind of some fun questions. So, Molly, if you could pick any person in the world, <laughs> anywhere, any anything to go and run with, who would it be? Um, I would have to say my two girl crushes from above. I think if I could run with Sarah and Kara at the same time, that would be amazing. And as long as speed isn't a factor, then it would be super fun to run with both of them. Um, just to love to hear their stories about being moms who run and have, you know, big dreams. I think it would just be so cool to pick their brains and just talk with them about everything. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah. I think it'll happen someday. Yeah. One day. <laughs> One day. <laughs> so where's your uh, dream uh, run destination? Uh, Boston, obviously. But um, yeah. that, and it will happen. I may be 85 in a wheelchair, but it will happen <laughs> as I'm being pushed. But um, no, I um, I would love to go to Ireland and, and run there. I just think it's so gorgeous there. Nice. Good choices. Really good choices. Cooler. <laughs> yes. Maybe that's it. Maybe I just don't want to be in Texas. <laughs> well, and I, um, I mean, as, as we wrap up, is there anything that either of you would like to add before I kind of sum us up? Well, I just have loved hearing all the stories from all the women that you guys have talked to. So I'm just really honored and um, that you guys would even want to hear uh, my story. So thank you for letting me um, be on here. Oh, thank you, sweetheart. Well, Molly, we are rooting for you. We we know that you will make your way to Boston um, once once we can have our races, so that we can have some qualifiers again. Um, have no doubt, uh, especially oh, you. if you get you got a good road coach on your side. So uh, <laughs> you you will definitely make it there. But thank you for for joining us. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, we know others are gonna find inspiration in your your optimism, your tenacity. Um, and I love even a few of the things that you said, how you have used running to lift yourself up as well as others. Um, I think that's, that's a real part of the power and the beauty um, of running. So oh, thank you um, for, for those out there who are listening to us and, and maybe aren't training with Rogue. Uh, we do have, of course, Rogue's virtual training programs like the Shoe Squad and our other podcast training groups that, that span geographies that can be done virtually even during this time. Um, but of course, I'm sure you're also pretty interested in Molly, uh, Coach Molly. So check out our in-person training groups. Um, she coaches in the Dallas area. If you want to train with Molly, you can go to roguerunning.com. Just click on train and you'll see all the, all the different locations. Click on Dallas and you will find more about running um, with Rogue at the Mockingbird location. So thanks for joining us today. Happy running and let's go She Squad. There you go. Molly Dykstra, everyone. Thanks to her for sharing her story and thanks for all that she does within our Dallas training community. Thanks to Jen and Ruth for holding down the fort while I took my break. I'm excited to be back to you next week. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at roguerunning. Until next week, when I'll be back to you in person, myself leading another episode, I'll talk to you then.